The drive-through is GTM's monthly news episode and is sponsored in part by organizations like hpdejunkie.com, Hooked on Driving, AmericanMuscle.com, CollectorCarGuide.net, Project Motoring, Garage Style Magazine, and many others. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the drive-through, look no further than www.gtmotorsports.org. Click About and then Advertising. Thank you again to everyone that supports Grand Touring Motorsports, our podcast, Break Fix, and all the other services we provide. Hit the button. Welcome to the drive-thru. I was going to say, should we kick this thing off? I'm ready to put it in first gear. Hit the button. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking news. Welcome to drive-thru episode number 42. This is our monthly recap where we've put together a menu of automotive, motorsport, and random car-adjacent news. Let's pull up to window number one for some automotive news. Bam! Let's pick it up a notch. Let's do some smoky burnouts. Isn't that what Emerald Lagasse used to do? Bam! Bam! Brad, we have an update. We have breaking news. There is a cyber truck update. We found out a little secret when we were doing a crossover episode with one of our guests. Did Elon Musk snort my $100 up his nose? Is that what happened? Well, he must have spent it on something because you didn't get your day one t-shirt that you were supposed to get as a reservation holder. Do you get it as a reservation holder or after you place your order? No, you were supposed to get it when you placed your reservation. Oh, I didn't get anything. That's what we were told. Remember, you were all upset about that. It wouldn't fit me now anyway. I don't know what happened to my t-shirt. You know what's funny is that t-shirt might be worth more than that Cybertruck allotment at this point. Man, those were some expensive t-shirts, $100. If everybody got one and there's like millions of people put in orders for Cybertrucks. I figured it out. It's like the fire Festival. Everybody put in all this money. <laughs> yes, yes. It's... Some people got a t-shirt. Tesla is the fire Festival of the automotive world. Where is your order? Have you received Dogecoin? I have been spending all my time, literally 24-7 for the last month, trying to cancel my order and, and just not having any luck canceling my order. We will come back to the Cybertruck. No, please don't. Oh, we will. We will. It's Please, please don't. It's still in the news. But you know what else is in the news? We need to talk about a couple things that happened here in the month of February. And what's important about this particular episode is this is our season four finale. Wait a minute. What? You didn't know? Season four? Yeah. We've been doing this for four years? We are getting close to the point where if you are tuning in to this show for the first time today, it'll take you a year to listen to all of the episodes that we have. That's how close we're getting. Wow. I didn't realize. Yeah. That's insane. And season four was pretty epic. And we'll talk about that in a minute here. But we also want to talk about some other exciting things because February is a great time of year. We get to talk about the new cars that are projected for the rest of the year. Because remember, new car season starts in August, September timeframe. So we only got six months to go until the 2025 models start hitting. You got to slow down, slow your roll with the 2025. It's barely 2024. Fiscal year 2025 starts in September. No, we are nowhere near September. September. Back off that soapbox. <laughs> we want to talk about those awesome Super Bowl commercials, and we want to talk about the Super Bowl racing, which is the Rolex 24 hours. Let's jump into it. Which came first, the Rolex or the Super Bowl? Well, it was the Super Bowl. So let's talk about those Super Bowl commercials. Two car commercials, I think. There were six. There were two. There were six. And here they are in no specific order. And I'm going to save the best one for last. There was the Perfect 10, which is the Kia EV6 commercial, which we've been seeing for a oh, couple of That was months. one of them. And then there's the other one. It's the 
last one you're going to mention. Which is the redo of the Toyota commercial from last year with the Joneses. Remember keeping up with the Joneses? Well, this one was the STFD handle or shut the front door handle or the daredevil handle. There's a couple different titles for that one. What are you talking about? Shut the front door. I linked it in the show notes. There is a USA Today article. That shows Does this it. have all the links? Yes, it has all the links. I watched is it Is this all. The, the ATV one? No, that's a good one too. The ATV, the mullet. That's a funny one. You guys saw that one too? Well, I watched the Super Bowl, so yes. Whoa! Tanya watched the Super Bowl? Of course, I always do. I didn't know and you the... got down like that. She literally watches it for the commercials. No, I used to have small little gathering every year for the Super Bowl. Thank you what? very much. I wasn't invited. When, when, when was this? My first question. Yeah, my, my, where was my invites? Did it get lost in the mail? Is that what happened? Well, you sent it to my old address <laughs> with my Cybertruck t-shirt. When I used to have them, I don't know if you were going to travel on a plane. <laughs> I would have traveled to Texas to hang out with Tanya for the Super Bowl. We traveled to go to an F1 race, for God's sake. That sounds like a good time. All right, so we've listed three so far. Okay, fine. I remember the Toyota one. It was stupid. That's why I forgot it. So we got the EV6. We got the Toyota Tacoma commercial. We got the mullets with the Kawasaki ATV UTVs, which I thought was funny, especially when he blows by the bald guy who's chopping wood and then suddenly it's like, bah, mullet. Business in the front, party in the back. Then you've got the Christopher Walken BMW commercial, yes. which I'm not even going to try to imitate Christopher Walken, but all I know is I wanted more cowbell by the end of that commercial. Can I just say, I am so excited to see Christopher Walken, because more times than not, I'm just like, where the hell is Christopher Walken? Like, I was like, he just fell off the face of the earth. You don't see him in anything anymore. And it's like, oh, there he is. There's Walken. The best part of that commercial wasn't even all the people making fun of him. It's that scene where he's at the dining table with Usher, and he's like, don't you have somewhere else to be? And then when he leaves, he's doing the whole Chemical Brothers dance thing on his way out. And I was like, that's cool. That's really good. If you remember that music video, I thought that was really good. Yep, yep, yep. So it's a tie for number one in my book. There's two more to go. Is your tied one even a car commercial? It's car adjacent. Because there was a helicopter in it. The bridge is out. <laughs> oh my God. Get out. <laughs> like a good neighbor. Neighbor, yeah. Like a good neighbor. Neighbor. So good. And the sheep. Oh my God. I was dying laughing bah! I was like oh this is so good I appreciate the comic stylings of Arnold Schwarzenegger and it counts because it's car insurance with State Farm you know as we said in the intro car adjacent news car adjacent commercials Neighbor. and then DeVito DeVito <laughs> coming back <laughs> to reprise the twins role that was that to me was the best part it's epic but to Tanya's point it is a tie for first in my book but if we're going to get super specific I think the number one commercial the one that really pulls at the heartstrings the one that gives you the feels the Volkswagen American love story commercial oh my god what a piece of advertising going back to the days of like Das Auto all the things that they alluded to in Mad Men. This felt like old-timey Madison Avenue marketing, and it was beautiful. It was super well done. The cinematography was amazing. All the black and whites and this beetle, you know, going through town, ends up in the showroom and then all the little clips of Herbie and oh man, what a great commercial. It's long though too. If you watch the unedited version, it's like over two minutes long. 
there's all sorts of other people qualify as great commercials from the Super Bowl, like the Dunk Kings. That was stupid. I just didn't get it. That was painful. I'm looking for the car commercials because they are a staple during the Super Bowl that there's going to be car commercials. And there's been some epic ones in the past, like the 400Z commercial with Eugene Levy and the Fast and Furious stuff, the transporter ones from back in the day with the Audi. I mean, there's been some really interesting commercials. They weren't as memorable this time around, other than the Volkswagen one and then probably the Christopher Walken one like the Kia one is it's a normal Kia commercial it's like the same commercial they had at Christmas time basically I mean it probably was the rejected Christmas commercial and they saved it for the Super Bowl it's like the b-reel of that one get the boppy where he's driving through the cement tunnels and he's driving to go get the little bear and bring it back to his son or whatever yeah that was the Christmas commercial yeah but were they a good neighbor we posted the list in our show notes of all the Super Bowl commercials. I think there's like 50 plus of them out there, but we obviously were highlighting the car commercial specifically. I enjoyed all of them, honestly, whether it was the Tacoma commercial or the Kawasaki's or whatever, they were all pretty good. But, you know, I wish that Rolex had commercials like these because that's what's missing. Like the Rolex watch or the Rolex race? The Rolex race. They don't have cool commercials. Like it's always the NBC sports, blah, 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 fill the airtime. So I don't know about you guys. We did a viewing party here. We had people rolling in and out through both days of the race. And, you know, I tried to stay up as much as I possibly could. Like always, I think I give Le Mans a little bit more attention than I do Rolex because the track is shorter and it does kind of get boring unless something happens in the middle of the night. This year was like any other year at Rolex, wouldn't you say, Brad? Yeah, there was nothing really that stood out. Other than cars were dropping like flies. Yeah, but every so often they go through years like that. They do. And and unfortunately, it was Porsche's race to lose. The odds were stacked in their favor. They had more cars than everybody else. We saw the demise of all the Cadillacs and the Acras, the BMWs. By the end, it was like, all right, well, it's going to be Porsche, Porsche, or maybe it's Porsche. I don't know who's going to win this race. There's people argue, oh, the 963, da 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 I still don't think that car holds a candle to some of the other ones that are out there. The difference is that it lasted the 24 hours, and that's really the point of an endurance race. But in terms of speed, in terms of performance, I don't think it holds a candle to some of the other cars, especially when we go back to Le Mans this summer and we put it up against the Ferrari 499 again. I think the Ferrari is just going to clean their clocks. Porsche didn't do well at Le Mans last year either. Nope, they did not. No, they didn't have a good showing at all. Obviously, this was the season opener for IMSA, but how does Porsche doing in WEC. So there's eight races in the WEC series, rounds they call them. And so the calendar started with Qatar, which is sort of like a prologue race. That happened last week. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday when it aired, that race has already ended. And then they're going to do round one at Qatar on March the 2nd. Then they go to Italy in April, Belgium in May. Then they're at Le Mans in June, Brazil in July. They're in the US in September. Then they go to Japan in September and then they're in Bahrain in November. So the calendar runs February to November, much like our show does, but there's only eight races in the season. I've never heard of that race. I need to really pay more attention to WEC. Well, you should because you know what else they've done? They've signed a contract so that you can tune in to WEC on what was HBO, HBO Max. It's just called Max now. So if you have a subscription to Max, you're going to be able to pick up WEC. Now, if you don't have a subscription to Max, you have a decision to make because you could become a member of the AC 
HBO USA, which if you look at the annual membership, is a little bit cheaper than signing up for HBO and you can get access to the live stream of those WEC races. So you kind of have a choice to make in terms of how you want to watch the eight rounds of the WEC to include Le Mans. So the cool part about this is if you're at home this year for Le Mans, you'll be able to watch it on two different services, HBO Max and the ACO's streaming service. So I think that's really, really cool. That is cool. I'm looking forward to watching on Max now. Well, there is some good news coming out of Rolex. It wasn't like last year where we had Porsches and GT3 trying to take each other out and some action there in the last five minutes. I was thinking that the end was going to be a little bit more climactic than it was. But really the one thing that we wanted to celebrate was the Ferrari 296 and more importantly, Risi Competizione winning their class in GTLM. So it's a double win for Risi, winning Rolex for the first time and winning it in the new Ferrari. Last year, we had still had that mix of 296, 488 going on and it wasn't a great showing for the 296. But this year, you're starting it off right and it'll be good to see the 296 hopefully win the championship because it got really close last year up to third place despite not starting off the season very strong. You know, last year we were at Rolex in person, whole different ball game, watching it on TV. Man, it is so nice to just flop on the couch and go to sleep well there's that too I'm going to forget that and still want to go back again at some point. Maybe when the kids are older, I can take one of them with me. I think it's more fun to revisit every couple of years and you kind of leapfrog it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do it annually. That would just be brutal. You know, that does kick off the IMSA schedule for the year, which has a lot more rounds than the WEC schedule has. But the thing to remember about the IMSA schedule, look at it closely because if you're into the prototype cars, they don't run all the rounds in a season. There's tracks like Lime Rock, there's tracks like VIR, Mid-Ohio, where it's only going to be the GT cars, the amateurs and the pros running on those smaller tracks. And the reason they do that is all those, those tracks are safe, but they're just not designed from a safety perspective for the larger LMP cars and the type of speeds that they can carry. You know, those natural terrain courses like a Mid-Ohio or a Lime Rock that were designed eons ago at this point, great places to be. All of us here have driven on them. They're fantastic. But I can understand when you got these 200 plus miles our missiles, that there's just no room for error and there's just not enough runoff at some of those tracks. So pay attention to what you're tuning into. So don't be disappointed if you suddenly realize, man, where did all the prototypes go? It's just they run a slightly different schedule than everybody else does. Yep. All right. So we got to move on. Just like every February, it's time for us to reflect on the previous season. And like I said at the beginning, this is the season four finale. What do you think, guys? Let's put together a little playlist of episodes that people should tune into if they're listening to the show for the first time or if they're not not caught up. I think season four was pretty epic, wouldn't you say? Yes, of course. Yeah. I would say that the biggest item of the whole season was our movie review of that god awful stunt man. No, <laughs> no, it's not two girls, one formula. Was it this season that we also did the um Travolta movie? <laughs> so trading paint was in this season and it was released in this season the stuntman actually comes out in season five we recorded it in season four it's a little spoiler alert oh, spoiler, spoiler alert spoiler alert <laughs> and there's another everything i learned from movies steven izzy crossover coming in season five which is going to be a lot of fun as well so i don't want to give that one away obviously a highlight amongst all the wonderful guests that came on a true gem was none other than mario andretti episode 200 goes down in the book is probably one of the most epic guests we've ever had on the show. And that's not to discount any of the other celebrities we've had on the show, but 
we did have the one and only Mario Andretti on Break Fix. So if you have not listened to that, go back and check out episode 200. You can learn all about his time in Formula One, his relationship with Ferrari, his time at Le Mans, as well as some adventures he had with Bobby Unser racing at Pikes Peak. So those are some of the things that we talked about on that episode. And I got to give a big shout out to William Big Money Ross for co-hosting that episode with me where we got to interview Mario Andretti. So lots of good stuff there. Well, Brad, you know, I know your favorite section of the drive-thru is Lost and Found, but that goes hand in hand with probably one of the most popular subseries on Break Fix, which is What Should I Buy? We did quite a few of those this season. I mean, I like the whole series of going through the decades. We didn't start that in season four. I think we started that in season three. So or no, we started with the 90s, didn't we? And then we kind of bounced around. Yep. Those were some of my favorites. And then the uh, Kit Cars and Posers episode I thought was kind of fun. Just because you didn't know what to expect. Everybody came to the table with something different. I learned of a car that I wanted to buy. Oh, that Countach that isn't a Countach? Yeah, that thing's slick. Yes, the, the Funtosh. And we actually had, I don't want to call it an oddball, what should I buy in there? And if you're playing the Break Fix trivia game at home, it's the only episode I technically wasn't on, even though I was present, which is what, Tanya? I know that one. I was in a what should I buy? <laughs> the ladies, the, the, EV, the EVs. You hosted the EVs. That was this season? Yes, that was the beginning of the season. That's oh, how far my. back that well we've gone through like the hundredth day of january so like it feels like it was three years ago my (laughs) goodness that was an excellent episode highly recommended what a great panel of ladies it was and a lot of people have commented on that episode i've actually had some other ladies that i've met who have asked for advice about buying a new car and i've sent them the link to the episode and they came back and they're like that was awesome what an excellent job the panel did on that and i have to say you guys did a fantastic job and it is probably one of my favorite episodes because I had nothing to do with it. It's also probably one of the better what should I buy is because it's less bullshitty. More factual based and less like happy hour. <laughs> Every joke has a grain of truth in it, man. That's all I know. We crossed that 200 episode threshold but we also crossed the 250th episode threshold and as you're listening to this we're beyond the 300th episode threshold now so it's been a really long year season four is by far our biggest season and for episode 250 mountain man dan and i got a chance to sit down with bryce kenny from monster jam you know we've been reaching out to different disciplines trying to get folks to come on and represent their motorsport and talk about it what it's like and you know monster jam came a call and we were like hey Why not? Bryce was a great guest. He's written a new book. He's a motivational speaker. He has lots of really interesting things to say about the business of racing. So it's not just all about doing tricks with big trucks and big tires. He really has a message he's trying to put out there. And his life story is pretty interesting as well. And he gives a lot of credit to his grandfather in growing up through the top thrill dragster discipline of motorsport. So a very dynamic episode. So if you didn't get a chance to tune into that, I highly recommend going back and checking it out. Definitely. So I have a confession to make. I knew it. Welcome to the confessional. No. <laughs> Come tell us your confession, my child. This is why I tell people they need to sign up for Patreon and check out the behind the scenes because you never know the bloopers that'll come out of an episode, the, the screw ups, the things that just get left on the cutting room floor. But we had this oh my. moment on one of our episodes and that was actually the Bob Gerritsen Apple 935 episode. So like I said, I have to confess, you can see this in the behind the scenes. It's hilarious. So Bob is on the phone with Mike Carr and I, and Mike is our resident 
golden age of sports car era guru. Before we got on the episode, we're doing our research. We're trying to figure out who this guy is. And all we were told is you need to interview him. You need to interview him. Blah, blah, blah. He's 90 years old. Get him on the show. Okay. I reached out to the records archivists at the International Motor Racing Research Center. I reached out to Revs. Nobody's got any information on this guy. We're like, who is this Bob character? Like, I don't know. So we get on there. We kind of like tee him up with these easy questions. And we're literally trying to get to know him on the fly. And then at some point, the story just diverges and he starts talking about Steve Jobs and Wozniak and Apple. And he had already talked about how he was developing these 935s and this and this. I'll never forget the look on Mike Carr's face when I think at the same time we got struck by lightning, we figured out who he was and we're like, holy crap, this is the Apple 935 guy. Like this is one of the most iconic Porsche race cars like of all time. When you watch the behind the scenes, you kind of see how it all unfolds and then how we try to pick up all the pieces and rebuild this episode because again lightning struck and we're like whoa so when you listen to the edited version it's an incredible story and bob's story is amazing and when i see people that have decorated their car with that livery i run up to them like do you know the story of the apple 935 do you know why this livery is so important and they're like no well we interviewed the guy that had the original car you need to check out this episode so i always like to recommend this as one of our best ofs if you're putting together a playlist of break fix episodes so check out the bob garrettson and apple 935 episode brad we tried to cater to the two-wheel community this year i know that's a soft spot for you motorcyclists mm-hmm. the traveling larry live Savakul, and elspeth beard all of these guests had amazing stories larry going around the country basically doing his own one lap of america on a motorcycle clive who holds the record on a bmw motorcycle at pikes peak and then you got elspeth beard who went around the world on a motorcycle i mean absolutely amazing stories and they weren't the only bikers that we had on the show in season four but those are three of the most epic stories so when are we going to have you and mcgregor it's coming man it's coming i've I've reached out to hollywood you know they said we'll do lunch you know we'll call you don't call us him and mcdreamy will do it together 100 and and eric banna too that's another one i want you know the trifecta love the beast what about the crossover episodes we had this year dude we had a ton of crossover episodes i mean obviously we have steve and izzy on every quarter doing movies and stuff like that and we're a little delinquent on getting them out on time but that's okay we we had an action-packed season this year we had episodes with like danny p on cars we did stuff with mark green from cars yeah just you name it right one of the ones that was the most fun and she was on tanya's ladies and ev episode was i got called up by carolyn ford again and she wanted to do a crossover episode with her friend tracy bannon from miter to talk about cybersecurity and cars which actually related back to a article that we wrote that was on gtmotorsports.org tying together automotive security and cybersecurity and all this kind of stuff and we did it as a Halloween spooktacular kind of thing. That was the, the vibe of it. But it turned into a really great conversation about data hygiene, renting cars, you know, where you should use your mobile device. Don't ever plug it into that Malibu that you picked up from Hertz, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's actually a very informative episode, not always to do with cars, but a lot to do with cyber. And it's also fun to find out that Tracy has a fun car herself. And it's one of Tanya's favorite Mercedes, one of the older SLs from the 80s so gorgeous car tracy's a friend we hope to have her back on the show but if you haven't checked out look that up that was right on halloween this past year so another cool episode we did sort of out of left field talking car adjacent just like cybersecurity. we had david page 
the creator of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives from Food Network on BreakFix. And that was a lot of fun. And the Pit Stop episode, which is available on Patreon, is a great one too, because he talks about owning a Maserati by Turbo and what that was like <laughs> and his dad frying the clutch and all this fun stuff. He shared some really great stories and we talked about how food influenced cars and vice versa. Just like we did that episode way back when, Brad, remember how we did music in cars? It was kind of in the mm-hmm. similar vein. So it was a, it was a lot of fun. Didn't it come out in that episode, spoiler alert, that the red Camaro that Guy Fieri drives is actually David's? The original one was, and then he didn't tell the story, but alluded to the fact that that one was wrecked. Uh... <laughs> and then they bought another one to replace it with. So it's a replica of the original Camaro. That was David's. Correct. And the new one apparently is Guy Fieri's Camaro. So like he owns it or whatever. He owns several Camaros, but yeah. Is it Fieri or Fieri? Depends on how you want to say it. Just like, is it Favre or Favre? Do you have those Favre with the Chianti? (laughs) Favre beans. (laughs) Exactly. A little out of left field, but dovetailing into one another. You know, we did the whole DeLorean Legacy Project miniseries with Kat DeLorean. We had the designers and some of the engineers on and all that kind of stuff. Coming from that, we also got an opportunity to sit down with Malcolm Bricklin, who was very close with John DeLorean back in the day. What a character. That's a two-part episode. The first half covers the early days, the Bricklin SV1, how he brought Subaru to America and founded all that. Really, really interesting story behind Malcolm Bricklin. And then the second second half of that talks about the new car that he's building under the banner of visionary vehicles. So he's got this vehicle called the three EV. It's actually a three wheeled EV, really, really innovative and interesting stuff. And at well into his twilight years, I mean, he's still trying to build cars and trying to get out there and revolutionize the market and shake things up. Really interesting to get to sit down and talk to Malcolm Bricklin about his 60 year run, if not more in the automotive industry. And Tanya, you mentioned the stunt man in season four, but there's another movie you forgot that we reviewed with Stephen Izzy. Corvette Summer? Wait, no, that wasn't this season. That was... No, that was our hundredth episode. That was way back when. Yeah, I I don't listen to podcasts. This was where we had Scotsman Gabriel Byrne playing an Italian. Oh, that horrible Lamborghini movie. Yeah, you remember oh that? Oh, that one like awkward scene that didn't need to be there. Yeah, okay. The whole movie was that scene that didn't need to be there. <laughs> oh, yeah, because we watched that at Rolex. We did, along with that weird Adam Driver movie where he's going down the river in a Grand Marquis Woody Wagon. That was the most bizarre. Yeah, I don't remember what that was called. That was so weird. <laughs> yeah, we we did a double header. It was like a double feature. We're going to watch that. And then we're like, well, Lamborghini is going to be like a walk in the park. We get to the end of Lamborghini. And thank God they threw up that disclaimer that says this isn't even based on anything in reality. It's a loose interpretation of fiction. Oh, what a mess. I got to say this, though. Season four is not quite over yet, guys. This is the second to last episode because there's one more because February has an extra day in it this year. So you get an extra episode in season four. Leap episode. Leap season. That's exactly it. And I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but it's a good one. It's got a great panel of folks on it. So tune in on Thursday for the extra bonus season four episode. And we kick off season five on March. First, heading into International Women's Month. And I tell you what, it is an action packed season five. We have some 
awesome content coming. And now that we've expanded into the Motoring Podcast Network, look for more episodes from the Ferrari Marketplace, from John Summers, the Motoring Historian. There's going to be Evening with a Legend. We have a new show coming called Pixels to Pavement. There's all sorts of other really cool stuff coming in season five. And so we committed, even just on Break Fix, to double the amount of episodes we were going to do in season five. But this is going to take us way over the top. So here comes episode 500. What Eric's not saying is that starting March 1st, we're going to be releasing one episode every hour for the entire year. If only. Yes. <laughs> if only. The goal is to make sure that people tuning into the show for the first time, you have to listen to Break Fix every day for 365 days in order to get caught up. So here's a question for you. Just, you know, looking into our five-year plan, who's going to have more episodes, Top Gear or Break Fix? It's going to be Cars, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 2,500 and change. And I have to give a shout out to Mark Green. He has publicly announced that he is looking to retire. He's looking for new ownership of cars. Yeah. He's looking to move on. I mean, what an incredible journey he's been on. And we've been fortunate enough to work with Mark, to be mentored by Mark, have Mark on the show. We were on cars. Yeah. A couple of times ourselves. I mean, what a great guy. What he is entrenched in the car community. He knows so many people. I don't know if you could ever, you could spend the next 10 years trying to get caught up on cars. Yeah. I mean, 2,500 episodes. What's on his playlist? Start with Eric and my episodes. That's That's right. But listen to it on break fix because you can get it there too. And you don't have to look for it. Yes. (laughs) Well, guys, it's time we switch over and talk about Volkswagen, Audi, and Porsche news. And I have to pull back something I said last month. Maybe we spoke too soon. The end is nigh. The GTI is dead. Well, the day after we released drive through number 41, Volkswagen came out and said, here's the design for the Mark 9 GTI. They were probably listening to the podcast and they heard us and he was like, well, we're not taking that shit. We're going to release these images and we're going to tell Brake Fix to suck it. And that's what we got. Can you tell me the difference between this car and the Scirocco at this point? Uh... Four doors instead of two. I mean, if we squish that nose anymore... It's going to look like the third gen Scirocco. You wanted a Scirocco. The Scirocco replaces the two-door GTI and the four-door is just the Golf. Four-door is a Jetta. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they get rid of the Jetta because nobody's buying that car anymore. No, because it's the size of one. Jetta's the size of a Passat. What are you talking about? The Passat's the size of an S-Class. But you bring up a valid point, right? So we got all this shuffling going on and Tanya sent me something earlier about how the Scirocco might come back as an EV and all this kind of stuff. I I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't even want to acknowledge just saying the word Scirocco just kind of pisses me off. Like, I want one so bad, but I have to wait until they become a gray market car to get the good one, right? Because how long is it going to, 2008, 2009, 2010, those Scirocco R's are fantastic. And I'm like, ah, it's killing me. But on the other side of the coin, we've talked about how the Passat is gone. You know, the Jetta's huge, the Golf, I don't know, whatever. But is anybody really surprised or does anybody actually care that the Arteon is dead ahead of schedule? What? I can count on one finger how many Arteons I've actually seen in the wild. Every time I see it, I'm like, is that the new Phaeton? I don't think I've seen one. I don't understand the point of the car. They had the Passat, which was a fairly luxurious car before they Americanized it and made it more like the Camry. Yeah, I don't get it either. And and I could never figure out the Arteon's place, right? Because as all the VWs got bigger, seemingly moved from, let's say, the A chassis to the B chassis and the Bs moved to the Cs and so on down the line. Was the Arteon the A6? The thing is huge, which is why I jokingly say it reminds me of the Phaeton because the Phaeton was an A8, but the A8's gotten bigger. To your point, Brad, I don't know where it fit. The Phaeton was like a show of 
creative force at Volkswagen to say, hey, here's what our engineers and design team can do. If money is no object, this is what they can do kind of thing. But this car doesn't, I just don't understand the point of it. The Phaeton, I thought, was a statement. It was, but they didn't need to build the Phaeton and they lost money on everyone that they built. That was the beauty of Volkswagen in that era was they would just build shit to build it. And they would make up the difference selling clean diesels. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And then the clean diesels turned out to be forever unclean yeah forever unclean diesels thanks bosh illusion <laughs> you know what consumer reports is added again and you know how i feel about this i've written articles about this time and time again you know consumer reports on your next track toy and how it's an unreliable piece of crap here we go again and basically the punchline is don't buy a volkswagen buy a mazda really that's not the main focus of it that just happens to be one set of the cars that they put in there aren't we talking about volkswagen but you're insinuating like clickbait that the whole article is just about that when it's not oh i know it's about punching holes in everybody else's line card let's back this consumer reports article train up a hot second because the title is not to buy these popular cars offering these alternatives instead i'm sorry the Chevy Trax is a popular car. <laughs> okay, yeah, you'd avoid it, but it's a popular car, really. I find fault with the whole thing just off the bat. This is like the Mary kill list. Marry this car, kill this car. I agree with Tanya. What is a Trax? It's the evolution of the Geo Tracker, isn't it? They're little weird, smaller SUV. Didn't you just describe the Geo Tracker? Sure. I did have one as a rental once. I mean, it went from point A to point B, but it was... Didn't Buick have something too? Over under the quality and ride of an Impala. <laughs> oh, man. I would take the Chevy tracks. <laughs> There you go. So one of them on this list is kind of funny. The Mercedes CLA, the claw. Get to the claw. Good neighbor. <laughs> but in this case, the alternative is to buy an A3 and their gripe is it's an all around better car, but it doesn't have a ton of leg room. Well, the Benz doesn't have a lot of headroom. So which one is it? Well, they said the Benz has no back seat, essentially. But the Benz is a bigger car than the A3. I don't get this. Is well, weird. then that's quite telling if it's a huge river boat that you can't put a passenger in the back seat. The Benz is a longer car. There's no headroom because of that stupid coupe-like greenhouse. It's, it's like the BMW SUVs, the X4 and the X6. They've got that really stupid greenhouse that makes it so you can't use the back half of the car at all. And it reminds me of the old BMWs. If you remember the 3 Series and the 5 Series, right around the E46 and the E39s and even the E36s, they were like, the M5 is so much bigger. It has three inches extra legroom in the back compared to the 3 Series. Series. And I'm like, the 5 Series should be bigger, but it's really not. It's when you get to the 7 and so on that they get drastically bigger. So, yes, on the road, the Mercedes looks huge. But to your point, it has a lot less headroom than the A3. So aside all this other stuff, don't buy a VW, buy a Mazda. That was the one that stuck out to me was the Mercedes Audi thing. And I'm like, if I'm spending the money, I don't know. If you're rolling up to work, what do you want to be seen in, you know? To me, the A3 is a little bit too Jetta. And then there's don't buy a C-Class, buy a 3 Series. But you know what has tons of headroom, tons of legroom is this next car. A convertible? Oh, no. No. This thing is absolute fire. This is the RS6 by Audi, Avant, which means station wagon, GTO concept. Find something wrong with this car, please. 
silence because it's perfect. It's beautiful. It's a wagon, high horsepower. It's all wheel drive. It's still gas powered. This thing is a freaking monster and it has a spoiler on it. It is just beautiful. And that homage to the late 80s, early 90s, early Haywood Honstuck, IMSA GTO, Audi 90. There's only going to be 85 of them. How much is this thing going to cost? Like $350,000. $700,000. And then it's going to sell at auction for $20 million. 100%. The thing that does it for me, I love the white wheels. Oh, they're gorgeous. The white wheels do it for me. And they remind me of the old S4 wheels. They do have a similar style to that. You're 100% right. I can attest, as an owner of white wheels, they are extremely hard to keep clean. What? You know what else is hard to keep clean? I'm just kidding. We'll get to that later. <laughs> oh, boy. Smell Tesla in that statement. That sarcasm reeks. It smells brown. You know, I know Tanya loves small little hot hatches, especially Fiat Pandas. But who doesn't love a VW Lupo making over 500 horsepower? I mean, why not? <laughs> Right? This is one of those WTFN moments. Look at this thing. I'm surprised it goes without screeching tires. No, you know why it goes? It's not front wheel drive. They did the whole Renault Turbo 2 thing. They put the motor in the back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Thing is a mid-engine. Look how much they had to widen it. The wheel literally sits outside of the original fender well. This thing is bonkers. And it's got an RS4 swap, right? So, I mean, this thing is an absolute rocket ship. This makes me happy. Uh, We need more of this. I'm sure there's a lot more of this, just not here. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine getting smoked by this thing at like Spa or the Nürburgring? It looks like it could smoke you, though. It's incredible. And you know what else it has, Brad? It's got white wheels. And it's got the bumper bands. It does. What he yells when he he goes by. Cinder! All right. We need to move on from Volkswagen out of Porsche news and talk about the rest of Lower Saxony. We actually have some BMW news for a change. Can you believe it, Brad? They're still in business. There was some Mercedes news and I don't remember what it was. Oh, well. Their cars should be avoided. No. They are beautiful, though. I mean, those GTRs, GTSs, what was the SLS? Those things are just unbelievably amazing. Oh, no, I love Mercedes cars. All AMGs. We kid because we care. Yes. I mean, if anybody wants to give me a Goldwing Mercedes, Yes, a thousand percent. We will give Tanya an A-class. No, 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 I want the coupe. Oh my God, those SLSs, GT3s, all those. God, and I told you guys before, I got a chance to drive a CLK Black, which is what Clarkson owned years ago. That's the predecessor to the SLS and all that stuff. Dude, that car was unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. I got in the driver's seat and I'm like, nah, I don't know. This is going to be lame, but out on track. Whew, what a weapon. And I can only imagine it was good then. They've only gotten better since, right? Because that's the German way. You continue to refine those ideas and they get amazing. So I can't imagine what a new GTS or GTR is like in comparison to that CLK Black. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about BMW. Will they, won't they? This hokey pokey continues. What won't they, will they? The manual. Weren't they the ones saying that they were going to be the ultimate holdout? They were going to be the last one with the petrol engine. They were going to be the last ones with a manual transmission. BMW was going to be the long pole in the tent. Sure. Yeah, okay. They're going to be the flag in the wind that changes direction however the wind blows. So BMW is now saying it's time to say goodbye to the manual transmission again. Because we went through this with the M3 and the M4. They got rid of the manual transmission and then the owners all took up pitchforks and torches and BMW caved and said, okay, okay, okay. We'll put manual transmissions back in them. And now they're saying, Nope, nope. 
we're done. No more manuals in BMWs. I don't care anymore. What? Is there a place for a manual transmission in 2024? Yeah, your Honda Civic. Man, you're making me feel like a dinosaur. Love me, my manual transmission. I mean, you say that about yourself. Yes, I would love to be able to shift gears and get a manual transmission in every car, but it's just not realistic anymore. I've made the conversion and I survived. How's your left calf these days? Slightly smaller than your right? Just as big as the right. You can come measure it yourself. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard because if they transition, well, it's never going to happen. But if the goals of electrification happen, the manual is dead. And with all this autopilot stuff, the more that that gets put into even conventional cars, what do you need a manual for if the car is driving itself? Yeah, Johnny Cab. It seems like the whole direction is to remove the driver from the driving experience from the car. We can't be trusted. The car has got to do it all. Ugh, ugh. It just takes the fun out of driving. Not necessarily. You have to find fun in other ways. Like the sound, the wind in your hair. Oh yeah, the sound that comes through the speakers because the car doesn't make any noise anymore. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the electric cars. I'm talking about with the manual versus an automatic car. And the, the automatics aren't the same as they used to be anyway. I'm going to bet you in 5 years they're going to make it so that we don't have opening windows in cars anymore. That the air is pumped in and filtered artificially. It creates too much aerodynamic drag to open the windows. And and why would we want to add the extra weight and this and that and blah, 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 and the mathematical computations that say we should all be driving eggs on the road? Well, if we're not driving, period, why do we even need windows? Just sheet metal. Sheet metal's eggs. lighter and thinner than windows. Little eggs. Well, it could just be cameras, like Polestar getting rid of the rear glass and it's just a camera. You just have cameras everywhere. Yeah, everybody's going to be driving around in panel vans. <laughs> Panel vans. We're all driving HHRs. God, just take me out of this life. Future now. is coming to America. I'm gonna go get a horse. It's all gonna end up like an episode of Upload or Black Mirror. Black Mirror. It's gonna be Black Mirror. Well, you know, it's not the only kind of scratch your head moment going on as we transition to talk about Stellantis. You know, they've been going through their reorg and obviously the big merger was bringing in Peugeot and Citroën and all that and trying to figure out what to do with the French. And there was an opportunity last year or the year before that they were talking about bringing Peugeot back. But instead, we saw the demise of Alfa Romeo. You know, we talked last month that they only sold 600 Fiats in North America last year, which is insane. The other brand in the fleet that's really sort of on the fringes right now is Chrysler. So Dodge is OK as long as they bring back the Challenger and the Durango and Charger and all that. So Jeep is the flagship. And then you've got Ram as well. But Chrysler sort of been in the wings. The only Chrysler left was the Pacifica. What they did is they gave the Pacifica a facelift when they got rid of the caravan. And then they took the old Pacifica body and they called it the Voyager for like a year or two. And that I think is gone as well. So they're sort of left with, okay, they make a minivan. All right. It's not as popular as like a Sienna or an Odyssey. So it's not going to be the first minivan that people go to. Then here comes Chrysler going quietly, updating their logo, their emblem, the symbol on the car. Very EV looking, very kind of like LED. Looks like something from Batman Beyond or from Tron. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what's that all about? A little bit of hubaloo about that, only within the, you know, the Dodge Chrysler camp of people that actually care about that. And then a couple weeks later, they came out and they revealed this thing called the Halcyon. Have you guys seen this? I mean, it's a concept. Let's be clear. It's not necessarily ever going to see the light of day it's not but it also called into question sort of two things why are we bringing back the chrysler 200 which already failed because that's what it looks like 
It's just sort of like a Tron interpretation of that. And then it made me scratch my head going, weren't they going to come out with the airflow? Do you guys remember that? It was like a low slung CUV sort of built on the Cherokee, not the Grand. It was kind of cool looking, aerodynamic, EV, all this kind of stuff. Whatever happened to that? Why are we focused on this Halcyon when they were talking about coming to the market with the airflow? And they had built a couple airflows. I would just like to respond to your previous statement that it looks anything at all resembling a Chrysler 200 because if you didn't know this was a Chrysler you wouldn't go oh it's a Chrysler you don't see it in profile it, no. the shape nope. is like the same as a 200 no in the back and three quarter I'm like mm, that's a take in I see where your inspiration yep. came from or an Audi the e-tron et or whatever that yeah with that single light and then the front even i'm like mm, are you lucidy a little bit not quite but maybe if you compare this to angel guerrera's concept of the new delorean the, i think the front end was also copied from that it has a lot of that design language in it low slung angular but also curved front end when i looked at it i was like man this car has a lot of different cars yes. in its dna and chrysler 200 is not one of them other than the name <laughs> I bet it's on a 200 chassis. Those wheels even look like they're off something else. It doesn't say Chrysler to me. Maybe that's the point. Yeah, maybe. They're rebranding and reinventing themselves. You don't want to look like what you've looked like in the past, especially because their products were seen as shit. The 300 was cool. Those were fun to drive. The 300 was a Dodge. The Alpine or Alpine or whatever, that was a rebranded Durango. That's true. Chrysler was like Oldsmobile. It was just rebranded products of somebody else. The Pacifica excluded. Which was just a caravan with a different body on it. I like it, but I don't. It's interesting, but it just doesn't say Chrysler to me. But it's not even about what it looks like. The bigger piece of this that they're pushing is all the tech that's inside. If you read like all the things this car is capable of doing and it's lithium sulfur battery can charge 40 miles back every minute of charging all this stuff. I mean, that's ridiculously fast or much faster than what's out there now. How much of that is theoretical though? Yeah, I'm sure all of it, but you know, still in theory, wow, that's incredible. But then like all this biometric recognition as you approach the vehicle, like repositions, that's kind of creepy. Uh, and then it's got chill mode and I guess reclines your seat a little bit while the autonomous level four auto driver takes over and you get like oh, yeah. moon takes view over. out of the sunroof and Whatever. some sort of augmented reality happens. And oh, we'll talk about that too. Watch yeah. TV, sit back, relax while your Chrysler drives you into a ditch. <laughs> My mind went somewhere else when Tanya was talking about the car doing things for you when you lean back and it sounded like a spa day <laughs> it sounds like something it sounds like going to a strip club and the car is going to take care of you tells you to relax lets you rest and relax oh my the god dimmable glass roof and canopy <laughs> automatically <laughs> that's horrible but yes <laughs> I think it's weird that the rear door is so tiny and the front door is so big. Just like the 200. That's what I'm saying. The 200 wasn't this bad, though. Yeah, but the door is open. What's that called when they open? Suicide doors. Suicide? Yes. Like a 63 Lincoln. I mentioned earlier, quick shout out to William Big Money Ross and to John Summers, the motoring historian. During February, we put out an episode almost every day of the week, and we focused on the Mila Milia. And the reason I bring it up as part of Stellantis, because Ferrari is part of this group as well. So it was devoted to the history of Ferrari and the Mila Milia, which is a thousand mile race around Italy. There's lots of great stuff to learn there. We put some episodes in between. And then after that, William also covered things like the Cavallino Classic 
classic, but one of the other episodes that he put out, and I got a chance to finally watch this, was the Ferrari movie. I don't want to spoil what William had to say about it, because he talks about it from a historical perspective, but I wanted to see, did you guys finally get a chance to watch the Ferrari movie? Nope. Get a chance to watch it. And then answer this question. Who is this movie really about? That's what I was left with at the end. Lamborghini. Yeah, <laughs> Meanwhile, we'll continue our domestic news brought to you by AmericanMuscle.com, your source for Chevy, Ford, and Mopar performance and OEM replacement parts. Do you remember everyone's favorite muscle car that went to Le Mans? Oh! So the Garage 56 car has made its debut at the 2024 Lightning Lap. Is that a VIR? Yes. And what did it do? God, I need to go there for this. It did a lap time of 2 minutes 26 Point seven. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> Wait, what? That's on grand course. I was going to say, because if that's full course, I can go faster in my car than that. What are you talking about? No, that's grand course. Yeah, that's quick. So they went up the climbing S's at 158 and a half miles an hour. Wow. Wow. They're saying that's 20 miles an hour faster than any of the other streetcars that have lapped. Well, it's not a streetcar. It's a race car. How fair is that? Of course, it's not fair. It's a two-frame, two-chassis race car. Well, that's what they're comparing it to. Compared to a stock ZL1 Camaro, yes, it's going to be ballistically fast. Still, I would love to know where that ranks if they're just doing the Top Gear leaderboard or if they separate it by race car versus, you know, streetcar. Fell short, apparently, of whatever Subaru. The Subaru Air Slayer. So it fell shy of that record, I guess. Which is just a souped up STI, it looks like. Was it factory built or was it privateer? Because I don't think it's fair if it's a privateer because they could make it make 2,000 horsepower. It's 800. 62 horsepower WRX built for Gymkhana by Subaru Motorsports partner Vermont Sports Car. So it's built by Vermont Sports Car, but it was commissioned by Subaru Motorsports. So it's basically a Hoonigan special. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a Subacorn. To your point, if you took the Hoonicorn out there, that Mustang that makes a gajillion horsepower, right? Ken Block's car do the same thing. So I feel like these cars are in a special category compared to, let's say, the Tesla or, you know, the Taycan or some of the other lightning laps that they've done in the past, you know, whether it's car and driver or some of the other places that do these lightning laps of VIR. But you can watch the lap from in-car of Garage 56. 226 on grand course, you know, every possible turn. And apparently he locked it up in turn one. So there you have it. He could have been faster. That's respectable. That is absolutely respectable. There is video at the front of this article too. I need to go back and watch. You just listen to it because the sound is glorious. Oh my, yes. It's the greatest sounding car ever. I will say I love this little quote or the last line of the article it's an all nascar endurance race might be more fun than the 24-hour race in france i would watch a 24-hour nascar race at a real track not like a oval but like a real track 24 hours of nascars oh my god the sound that would make i think if they did 24 hours on an oval like how boring would that be but it would end up like trading paint you know we were talking about the guy with the baseball bat on his forehead going around in circles it'd be like a tilt a whirl <laughs> well so if they did a 24 hours nascar race obviously there's not enough nascar drivers to fill seats right who do you have stepping in to make the teams up you got gentlemen drivers no it becomes the irock series again which we all want to come back right so now you bring out formula one drivers you bring out rally drivers anybody that you can get in there you got to make teams and people that want to pay to drive well yeah that too all right, well, we need to move on to Japanese and Asian domestic news. 
And you know how we make fun of these stupid drag races between Tesla's pulling Porsches and Porsches and drag races with Tesla Model 3s and hot laps of the Nürburgring and this and that and the other thing. And why is it important? Who cares? And this next one, I had to stop and I had to check it out. When they said an Ionic 5N edition lapped the Nürburgring quicker than a Porsche. Not just any Porsche. A two-generation old GT3 RS. <laughs> Oh, you picked up on that too, did you? For, yeah, for people that know the Porsche model numbers and stuff. Yeah, it's two generations old. So it's like a 991.1 or something like that. Yeah. It's a 997. Oh, wow. It's even older. Holy smokes. Oh, because they're on the 992 now, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, 992.2 or something. Yeah, because now they're doing like software revision numbers. It's insane. <laughs> I got to tip my hat for a front wheel drive EV that weighs like a small truck it's respectable i like that car i still think it's cool it does also say that it beat the lamborghini gallardo ferrari 599 gtb along with the 997 996 and was seconds off of a cayman gt4 bmw m2 and the type r civic that's not bad and it almost matched the taycan turbo so i'm like shocked but then again it's not a nyanic 5 it's this monster version the n edition yeah a 640 horsepower version and it can only do two laps <laughs> one of my biggest gripes about hyundai and this is from driving a couple of them they look great on paper they put up good stats somebody like this can get a decent lap time out of one but every time i've ever driven one myself i've never been impressed they feel numb they're not fun cars to drive even like a genesis coupe or something like that they just i don't feel it connect to the car. I haven't driven a Veloster. I had the opposite experience with a Veloster N, especially on track. I walked away from that going, this is the best GTI built in Korea because I feel that the new GTI is super numb. It's got too many electronics, too many nannies. Everything's fly-by-wire. I'm surprised the brakes aren't fly-by-wire at this point. And so driving the Hyundai, it was like, wow, this reminds me of the old days. This is Farfig Nugan, right? But, you know, they discontinued that car. So, you know, there's a lot to say there as well. But I, I like the fact that Hyundai sort of has their version of the R line, right? Which is this N series. So there's an N version of pretty much everything in their lineup. And they didn't stop. They said, we're going to do an Ionic N. And I think that's super cool. Maybe not all Hyundais are equally built. And to your point, the regular ones are kind of boring. But I think they all suffer the same problem, which is you take it to your local Target and you can hack into the USB and drive the car away. You know, that whole Kia exploit thing. So there's weird stuff like that that makes you scratch your head going like, what are you guys doing? Would I turn one away? Nah. Looking back, if I had to do it over again, kind of knowing what I know now, I would have seriously considered a Veloster and some of the other, even the Elantra N and some of those are, are really interesting cars if I had been in the market at the time that they were new. Well, in another twist of fate, you know, we talked about BMW doing the hokey pokey and changing their minds about manual transmissions. Toyota seems to be backing down off of their no EV policy. And we know they did put out that electric RAV4 thing. I don't even know if they're really selling that, but they're taking a different direction with this. And they're talking about investing in the Kentucky factory to build a three row SUV that'll be all electric. I mean, where did this come from? Out of the blue, seemingly. They're not just throwing it at like, oh, we're going to build one. They're throwing 17 billion 
with a B dollars at this. That's a big investment to make. It did have an all electric land cruiser concept. But those are just concepts. Like they can play with the idea, right? Well, they're taking that concept and they're going forward, I guess. They're also talking about bringing over the Century, which is going to replace some of the higher end Lexus or the Lexi. What is the plural of Lexus? The Lexi? I don't know. Mm -hmm. So they're talking about bringing the Centuries over, which they're not the Centuries of old, you know, the big Luxo boat sedans like we've talked about, which were the inspiration for a lot of the Lexuses, but this is like the replacement for the Lexus LX 600 and some of those kinds of things. These things are just huge SUVs. This is really interesting, especially because we've heard from Toyota so many times that they're sticking to hybrid, they're sticking to hybrid, they're sticking to hybrid. And it's like, wait, now you're investing all this money to start building EVs? Well, they have two. It's not that they don't have any because they have that weird alphabetty BZR4, BZ4X. It's a RAV4 basically. And then there's a Lexus, I think, that's all electric. The new one that replaced the LX600, yeah, that they showed after the Super Bowl. TX... Because I kept thinking T-Rex every time I heard it. I don't know what it means in their future. Just because they're putting a handful of all electrics in their portfolio doesn't mean they've necessarily abandoned their stance that hybrid is a better option or even hydrogen. But I think the problem, the hydrogen, they're dealing with the infrastructure problem. Well, it doesn't help that Shell is closing all of its hydrogen yeah. fueling pumps. sadly i didn't even know that was a thing i have never seen a shell station in the united states that has hydrogen have you of course they're not in the united states okay so they're closing them down in the rest of the world all right i think so i don't think i don't think they're in the united states i could be wrong but actually it says right here shell permanently closes all of its hydrogen refueling stations for cars in california there you go there you go california well we've sort of fallen backwards into evs and new concepts so mountain man dan sent us one travis pastrana reviews an electric motocross bike. I'm not really sure what to think. Other than that, it's cool. It's neat to see Travis out there doing what he does on bikes with an EV. The question is, and Dan has brought this up before, that they are using them in competition. One of the championship races last year or something like that, the EV was like clearly doing well until something catastrophically broke and then it was over. But that's like any motorsport, right? Stuff happens, things break, and you learn what to fix because you're stressing these pieces of machinery to their limit on the racetrack, whether it's on-road, off-road, or otherwise. So I think it's cool. We're going to link to the video in the show notes. You can check it out. Leave your comments. Let us know what you think about the new electric motocross bike that Travis was checking out. But I think we have some other random EVs and concept cars, right, Tanya? The Fisker Ocean we haven't talked about in a while, and I actually it was sometime early last year, was passing a car transporters filled with oceans. <laughs> which was interesting to see. However, I wonder how all of those are doing because according to reports, they're not doing so well. Uh-oh. Tesla's not the only one with problems sometimes. But apparently they're plagued with a lot of gremlins. Even the cars that people high up in Fisker have received have failed. So they've had multiple like high-level people that took ownership of the cars and then boop, They're driving down the road, complete power failure, car dies. Multiple reports of that, even if normal people have taken ownership, other issues around brake loss, and then all sorts of other electrical gremlins with the fobs not working, other sensors, this, that, and the other. So that's not really a good sign if they're plagued with a lot of software or electrical issues. I've got a simple solution for the brake problem. You want to hear what it is? So what we're going to do is 
we're going to have this reservoir filled with hydraulic fluid, and then we're going to push a pedal, and it's going to make these pistons move these plates that are going to create friction and slow the car down. I'm on to something here, guys. I can solve the key fob problem, too, because what you do is you get this thing called a lock cylinder, and then you make a key that has a metal piece protruding from it, and then you stick that in, and then it moves these tumblers, and it moves a lock. <laughs> Wow. Oh. You can fix the power failure problem by adding this motor. It's called <laughs> a internal combustion. And there's a, an explosion that happens inside each cylinder. You're going down the road and this just keeps the motor going and going and going. And it transmits the power through what's called a transmission. And it sends that power to the wheels. We are on to something. We are innovators. Visionaries. No one has thought of this before. This is incredible. We are in uncharted territory. Like, I got to start contacting patent lawyers to day because we are going to solve the problem. We're going to cut all this out so people don't steal our great ideas, right? Uh, all jokes aside, hope they get their stuff figured out. I hope they don't. I could care less, honestly, but you know. <laughs> I'll send them good vibes. Well, like we talked before, people are going to be driving eggs that levitate down the road soon because Polestar has removed the rear window in their vehicles. I'm like, really, guys? Why? Why? One more thing to break. Because Polestar's a hot mess. I'm going to lay it out for you right now. Hot takes. Yeah, they just got like kicked to the side. 100%. Volvo ditched them. And the Polestar CEO comes out and says, you know, there's issues in the EV market because the used car market is complete garbage when it comes to EVs. They're worth nothing. It's sort of like buying somebody else's used dust buster. Do you really want to do that? I'm not going to buy used Ryobi tools. Like that doesn't make sense. So the EV market on the used side is flooded with just junk. And then I read this report recently that there's a place, I think it's down in Texas, where they have these Teslas for just like acres and acres. They're insurance cars and they're destroyed from different angles and they're basically totaled, but they don't know what to do with them. And it's not like we're going to make three good cars out of two, take parts from this one. And, that, and it's just, I watched this video and this guy's just walking down and it's Model 3, Model Y, Model at one after the other, after the other, after the other. And you're like, whoa. And we'll talk about this in Lost and Found. Brad, if you scroll through cars.com or Auto Trader, you're not going to find a lot of used EVs on there. People sort of keep them until they're consumed or wrecked. And then it's like single use plastic. Well, one and done and kind of move on and buy something else. We're so conscious about the environment. Shush, shush you. Remember, we're going to get the patents on this new way of doing it. I'm going to call it clean diesel. <laughs> diesel is such a bad word. You got to call it something. Is there a bleep button for diesel? Like every time it's like clean bleep. <laughs> Brad, it's time we move on to your favorite part of the drive through lost and found where you get to scour the internet looking for the newest old piece of crap available in dealership lots. Oh my God. The Ford GTs are multiplying. There are now two Ford GTs out here. Both of them $450,000. Oh, one yellow with black stripe. One looks just like Jeremy Clarkson's old car. It probably is Jeremy Clarkson's old car. Yeah, I thought Doug DeMiro bought that one. And then there's a 2008 Shelby GT500 convertible for $71,000. A 2012 Fiat 500 lounge. If we can't sell new Fiats, we're definitely not going to sell this. Thing. Who puts together an appearance or comfort package called lounge? The Italians do. Apparently. This car is an athleisure wear accessory. That's it. There's not much going on out here. There's a bunch of Volkswagens. You know what there is going on? We have another nominee for the uncool wall. What? Have you guys heard of the Vetter Slash? 
hot garbage. Take a look at this thing. This looks like something from another decade that belongs in like a TV show. They put a rear window on the front. <laughs> because Polestar doesn't need them anymore. So there's a clearance sale on those. They just put them on. Like what bastardization is this? What got butchered and put back together? Is that a Pontiac badge on the front? <laughs> Looks like it. This started its life, believe it or not. Corvette. C6 Corvette. Poor thing. Should have been put out of its misery. This looks like something out of Batman the Animated Series. But when I first saw it because of this burgundy color, it brought me back. Do you remember the Bradley, which was like a C3 Corvette that the guy tried to put a Ford Crown Victoria on top of? And it was like this color and it was kind of put together in the same weird way. So I immediately I went back to that. I was like, this is the modern Bradley. Look at this thing. It's terrible from the front suddenly i'm like oh is it trying to be a bugatti like a veyron this is like something i expect to see on car masters now yes like that car that they built with the weird vents and shit so many angles oh my god the back <laughs> what is going on with this interior they took a nexus 7 tablet and just put it like they glued it to the dash and then they covered it in this material that was taken out of a dodge viper from the 90s why? Why would you do this to a Corvette? So what are reverse? Thank you. Thank you. What, what are those called? Stupid. That's what those are called. I've never seen reverse scissor doors. How the hell do you get in and out of this thing? So imagine it if you're listening at home. Or go look at the show notes because this car is an incredible feat of engineering. The doors pivot at your hip and they open upwards like a Lamborghini or a McLaren, but they open backwards. Out and back. It's like, how do well, this is going up on our uncool wall and you can vote for it later today. So cast your votes. There are, I think, 65 other cars on the uncool wall now. And one of the things we added when we remodeled the uncool wall, it's still terrible to look at on purpose by design. But we actually added badges to the cars. So you can go back and see our staff picks, our drive-through nominees, and some of the ones coming out of our Discord and things like that. And honorable mentions are on there as well. So a lot of fun. You can go back and vote as many times as you like on our uncool wall. And you can find that on gtmotorsports.org. What's next? It's that time again. It's time to talk about Tesla Gate. We would be remiss. Yes, so Tesla. This first article about a driver in a Cybertruck driving with VR or AR goggles on. First of all, I think it was a stunt. So there's that. The more concerning thing is don't put this out there in the world for people to try to go do. That's the more concerning thing at the moment because the Cybertruck doesn't have autopilot. So it's a stunt because there's no way that it's self-driving and he's just not paying attention. So boom on that. But second of all, don't put this out in the world. So people are like, oh, I can go do this too. Or some asshat's going to go do it in their Tesla, which is another article. They'll accidentally mow over a woman and her dog killing them and then go, I didn't realize I uh, ran anybody over while they were checking emails on their phone in autopilot, allegedly. I mean, what a great excuse to like mow somebody down and be like, oh shit. Oh crap, what do I do? Oh, you know what? I was on autopilot. Like, it's not still your fault, asshole. And you didn't notice? <laughs> like, supposedly there's some like street cam that's like, the woman was on your hood for a hot second, you know, dying. Like, what the? To Tanya's point, there are no cars in existence today that have autopilot. Go read the fine print. They all say the same shit the car does not drive itself don't be fucking delusional mm -hmm. i will say you missed the point entirely tanya nope she's she got it she good 
the whole thing with the VR goggles is just like when I sit down on my simulator, I don't need to use my monitors. I can plug my Oculus or MetaQuest into my sim and play the game through that. So when you plug your Oculus into the Cybertruck, you don't need a windshield. Remember I said, we're going to be driving eggs that <laughs> levitate. So how do you know where you're going? You put on your VR AR goggles and it's just like being outside. Elon Musk was a visionary. He saw the writing on the wall. You don't need a windscreen wiper because you're not going to use the windscreen. You won't know that it's raining. The laser goes across your meta quest. They use the same laser from that eye surgery. <laughs> They're giving you LASIK. From the LASIK, yes. LASIK technology. <laughs> then your meta quest that goes across and cleans your windshield. The simulated rain in your simulated world. Just like they added simulated rain to iRacing. We'll see how that turns out too. No, 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 no. See, the Neuralink. Oh, God. You get the Neuralink put in you, and then that'll connect you intimately with the car. Didn't they put the neural chip in somebody's head? Like Tesla did that? I think so. Cannot wait until they have complete cranial meltdown. Because I feel like I have that when I'm reading these articles. I can only imagine if that thing self-combusts inside your head. Good night. They did put it in someone and allegedly they can move a mouse, like computer mouse, with their mind. <laughs> you know, I think I've got a new invention. It's called a hand and you put the hand on the mouse and you can move it without even needing to use your mind. But you use your mind to move your hand. You see, it's that telekinesis powers that we have. I don't I don't need wireless. Touch it. I can push the buttons. You're not telepathic. You don't have telekinetic powers. What? The mouse must have a chip in it or something. Like and you're like microwaving like waves out of your brain to control it. There is no spoon. <laughs> so all you do is tilt your head and that's the mouse it's like the old trackball mice no, no, no. go back go back <laughs> like night at the roxbury <laughs> refresh <laughs> There's already technology like that where your eye movements can be tracked and so that you could move things on a computer screen in that way. Right. I think they've already designed that stuff for people with disabilities. I don't need to embed a chip in my brain and then all of a sudden have like, I'm going to get charged to go to the facilities in my own home or something. Just imagine how many Camp Lejeune emails you can get straight to your brain. You can get paywalls. I need to pay for my subscription to, I don't know, use my brain. I get like shut down because my Neuralink subscription expired. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, because you didn't pay your bill. <laughs> Dear Lord, please start the apocalypse. Start over. I mean, we are solving the world's problems. And you know what, Brad, we alluded to earlier there's more news with the Cybertruck. And this one is just ripe for the picking. This is delicious. See, it's all misunderstood. Oh, is the it? The problem is the type of stainless steel they have chosen is magnetic. It has slight magnetism to it. Therefore, the metal fallout from everywhere, be it brake dust, passing a <laughs> railroad track, factories, they're sprinkling little metal pieces that are attracted to the stainless steel body panels. And then they get attached there and that metal is 
is what's rusting, Lies. not the actual cyber truck. Yeah, damage. flag on the play. I call bullshit. So even normal painted cars have this problem. What? I call bullshit because there's nothing that's attracted to the cyber truck. <laughs> what? All right. Just go get some barkeeper's friend and just polish your, your thing all the time. Yeah, I, I guess you can't use like Gugon or whatever the, the, the bug stuff is to get rid Can of it. Can we just take this back to basics? The whole point of stainless steel is that it's not supposed to rust. The fact that it's rusting indicates to me that it's no. not stainless steel. No, 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 no. It's n- the stainless steel itself is not rusting. It's the metal that attaches to it. There are deposits of metal that are falling onto the stainless steel body and getting stuck there. And those little pieces of metal are what is rusting and creating the little orange flecks everywhere. Are we on that game show to tell a lie? We're going to tell you three statements. Two of these are are true yeah one is a lie two truths and a lie <laughs> yeah this is like wait wait don't tell me now right i mean this is insane did delorean have these problems so apparently they did change their grade of stainless steel at one point to make it more repelling less magnetic i don't know enough about delorean's history because i've never heard but again the community is very small so who's to say so is the cybertruck community <laughs> it's getting smaller every day <laughs> yeah it's smaller and smaller Based Based on precedent on all the other things we've learned about Tesla and all the other adventures that we've been on through Tesla gate over the years. I don't know what to believe. Exactly. And it will come to pass in several years that it's really actually brushed sheet metal posing as stainless steel and the cars are rusting. Full stop. Regardless, if I paid $100,000 for it, I don't know. Put an effing clear coat on the stainless steel. You think? No, you just put a wrap on it. Does that defeat the purpose again? We're happy to offer you that as an extra fee. One of the most genius moves ever, but also has a negative side effect. If you guys remember the original McLaren F1, the way those cars were painted, it was actually really, really cool. They would do the color and all that kind of stuff, and then they would literally lock it in with like a thick urethane that was basically permeable so the color would never fade it could never get chipped but you also couldn't repaint the car because it was locked into that particular color it was basically sealed to your point tanya i don't know why they couldn't have done this with the cybertruck it's not like it doesn't already weigh literally ten thousand pounds there must have been something they could have sealed the panels with to prevent this if it's truly the industrial fallout They could have used great stuff because the doors leak like every other Tesla does, right? The point is more of these issues are coming out. Like we've said, it was kind of rushed to production. Rushed? Has it been in production? Has it been trying to build it for like (laughs) a decade? It's been rushed. Rushed to production. (laughs) Wow. Rushed to production. (laughs) Rushing it for a decade. Two lies and a truth. Well, there you go. Two truths and a lie. (laughs) That was clearly the truth it's unbelievable it is it is i don't know that my expectations could get any lower but these next couple of articles have really put me there lowered expectations riders on storm that's what that sounded like riders on the storm (laughs) so the great not state of representation without taxation the district of columbia in our fair capital is pushing for speed limiters on cars how does that work like like they could only impose that on 
DC registered cars. No, 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 no. Because if California has their way, because they are the neck that turns the head of the snake, California is trying to adopt a European style speed limiter to impose on the rest of us. But it's only really going to work on new cars from the sounds of it. Damn, my old car is going to be worth so much money. I, gotta I know, keep right? It for a while. But you remember back in the 70s when they made the speedometers only go up to 85 miles an hour? So that you, way you thought you were saving gas because you couldn't go past 85, although some cars could do like 120. You just bury the needle and go for it. So same kind of thing, but this is going to be electronically controlled. And I said this before, that it was going to come back to bite people in the butt with all this auto driving, self-driving nonsense that we've been talking about. Enjoy driving the speed limit because they're going to figure out a way to limit the cars with GPS no to that speed. Nationwide tried that already. Put our transponder in there for your good driver saving so we can charge you when we see that you go over a certain speed. No, thank you. I'll pass. I don't understand why people don't get it. Like if we really did truly at the snap of a finger could move tomorrow to this futuristic sci-fi world where everyone is in a self-driving car, i.e. trains, essentially, right? <laughs> like uh, like essentially like the world is just a bunch of series of monorails because the cars are all going to be computer controlled and they're going to follow the leader. Remember, they're levitating eggs. Levitating Whatever. Eggs. The levitating eggs are going to follow one speed and someone's going to decide what that speed is and maybe it's 55 miles an hour certain roads and 30 others or who knows maybe it's 155 miles an hour i doubt it but there you have it it's all going to be controlled because in order to have a system like that actually work you can't have multiple speeds going on i mean you can but it's more complex programming and who's going to bother doing that exactly and the gps systems already know because the mapping software what the speeds are of the roads as they exist today but it does bring up an interesting conversation because the more local roads the b roads the city roads those speeds are dictated based on the number of pedestrians and sidewalks and all this kind of stuff to determine what the speed of those boulevards and avenues should be. But on the highways, the National Safety Commission, National Highway Commission designates the national speed limit based on fuel economy. And let's just say in an ideal sci-fi world where it's like Demolition Man and we all have our levitating eggs with foam and all that kind of stuff when they wreck, 55 mile an hour speed limit, which has been raised to 65 in a lot of places, the 55 mile an hour speed limit, let's just say, which is the national average, doesn't need to exist anymore because it's based on fuel economy. So what should the new speed limit be on the highways? Well, it'll be based on electrical economy because you're not going to go 80 and then drain your battery faster. So there's going to be an optimal point where you're in a range even of speed and power drawing off the batteries that makes sense. Isn't part of the whole thing with EVs, especially with electric motors, is once you get to a certain point, you need a very minimal charge in electromagnet to keep it spinning at that constant speed. Theoretically speaking, a higher average speed limit could be attainable without consuming more power. But there's still a volume of cars problem. But they're going to take care of that. They'll make all the petrol cars illegal. You know, it's coming. Or at least the conspiracy theorists believe it that way. There's probably an ounce of truth to that, but it's going to take a very long... It'll be beyond our lifetime before we see the last petrol car not able to drive on the road. It's a scary thing with all the computer stuff and how integrated and in the cloud the cars are becoming. I mean, who's to say that somebody doesn't just push a button and slows your car down? Or stop traffic altogether. I mean, you make fun of these movies like The Italian Job where they took over all the traffic lights and the Fast and the Furious where they hacked into the system and, you know, all this kind of thing. But let's just say in the real world, some of these IT systems are not that secure or not as secure as they could be. And there's new vulnerabilities and exploits being derived, you know, zero day attacks and, and all these kinds of things every day. So let's just say somebody could get through and stop Skynet and all of the levitating eggs just suddenly freeze and you're locked 
in it. It's got no windows, no artificial recirculating air, and your VR goggles are still showing you Cutman or whatever you know video game you're playing <laughs> while this is going on. It's kind of a scary reality if we get to that point. No thanks. I have a horse. There's a lot of movement going on. So Europe influences California, California influencing the District of Columbia. I understand the district's complaint at the end of the day. If you read the article, they're not saying they're blanket doing this. I can't say necessarily. I disagree if this is truly that it's repeated offenders would get a governor installed. I saw where it said first time offenders. Is it first time? Would get it for a year. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit harsh. For like major speeders. Well, first of all, drunk drivers shouldn't. That's a different story. Punishing people like that, by all means. (laughs) And part of DC's problem, and I get it, is the fact that they have a lot of unrecognized revenue based on all these speeding tickets and cameras and all this kind of stuff because a lot of the folks that are speeding through the district are from out of state. Well, let's face it. DC's like, what, seven square miles or something like that? It's not that big. It's like, okay, everybody's out of state. So you're going to put all these punitive legislation against the so many people that live in the district. And then how many of those are on diplomat tags where they get everything waived anyway? So it's like there's a small percentage of the population in the District of Columbia that actually lives there that's actually registered there. And they're the ones that are going to be getting nailed. Does this really solve a problem? And then what? You put a restrictor on my car. If Maryland and Virginia and Delaware and everybody else doesn't have any reciprocity. I don't see how they could do that. How could they put it on the out of states? What's their jurisdiction? They don't have any. See, again, it's the taxation with no representation thing. It's never going to get anywhere. It's big talk. But if California has their way, then it'll become part of these new rules and all the manufacturers will have to bow down to that. That's the scary part is you will start seeing cars that are GPS limited. And as we said before, it's going to come in the cars that have all these fancy fly-by-wire features. Think about this. We joked about the solution to the electronic brakes failing on the Fisker Ocean, but when your brakes are electronic, I can override them and slow down the car. And it doesn't matter how hard or how you didn't hit that pedal. The analog systems are still unhackable at the end of the day, unless you bust a brake line, which is pretty rare. Well, this next one... We need to lighten the mood a little bit. So there's a great meme that we found, and this one's specifically for Tanya, and we're going to post it in our show notes. And it's a picture that says GTR or RX-7. And what are the pictures of, Tanya? Garbage. (laughs) It's a Chevy Impala from the early 2000s and a Ford Taurus from the same time period. So which one do you choose? GTR or RX-7? Horse. Walk. Bicycle. These are the two cars we get to pick from, guys. Which would you choose? These are the only two left on Rent-A-Wreck. All the other levitating eggs are out. These are the two cars that are left. Which one do you choose? You know, honestly, because I've never driven one, I'm just going to choose the Escort. This is a Taurus. Oh, yeah, sorry, Taurus. (laughs) I'm going to choose the car. Not on here. What about you, Brad? Are you a Blue Oval or Chevy man? What do you pick? I'm going to choose the Impala because I feel like it would be a more comfortable ride as I go off the cliff (laughs) and plummet. As you felt the Louise yourself? I think Ford has more spontaneous combustion issues in their lineup than Chevy. So I'm going with the Chevy. Oh, good. Then it'll be put out of its misery quickly. I'm going the lap of luxury. I'm trying to really pull on those distant, distant, distant Cadillac relative jeans oh, uh, in the Impala. I guess that leaves me to break the tie. I'm going to choose the RX-7. I mean, the Taurus. The Escort. <laughs> 
Yeah, yes, Court. Only because I know it shares DNA with the ever popular, globally renowned Mondeo. Ford Mondeo. And I wouldn't be caught dead in an Impala of that era. So sorry. <laughs> They're terrible. You wouldn't be caught. You'd be in the trunk. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Well, speaking of getting stuck in things, have you seen this Instagram reel of Jeremy Clarkson and McLaren? Why can't he get out of it? That's the point. He can't figure out where the door handle is. And the best part is you don't realize it's him until he starts talking to the other person. That's funny. Well, it's not all all fun and games in lowered expectations. This next one is sad and I think it needs some explanation. Right, Tanya? I mean, I don't know why they just vandalized this Waymo card just because the people in San Francisco just lit it on fire. I don't get it either. And I was just in San Francisco in December and I saw these running around town. I mean, they're pretty benign. You know that they're there. They're riddled with cameras and stuff. Why? It, it felt like, you remember back in the 90s, Brad, and University of Maryland winning the football game and they're like knocking down the goalposts and trying to burn the college down. Is that what we're doing here? Yeah, I was wondering, does this have to do with the 49ers? With the Super Bowl and the 49ers? It was February 11th. That was Super Bowl Monday. So maybe because there's nobody in it, they figured they could go crazy and riot and just burn a Wemo to the ground? There's a lot of harmful gases that are released when batteries are burned, so... These people aren't of high intelligence. I feel like the fact that it's a Wemo is just like an anecdote. I don't condone. I couldn't vandalize anything like that or anything at all. It was just a coincidence that it was an electric car. I don't think they single out that car and say, we're going to destroy this electric car because it's an electric car. I don't think that's what happened. I think they were just a bunch of drunk people that thought they were having a good time and were just being really dumb. But in a really fun cartoon sort of way, I would have liked to have seen a video of it fleeing the scene on fire and like panels falling off. There's nobody actually driving the car, but it's like, ah, it starts screaming, must return to base, must return to base. That would have been so sad for the poor little machine. Yeah, it been like a little bit too uh, Wally, you know? Right? Wemo, Wemo 5 is alive. <laughs> Well, it's time to go down south and talk about alligators and beer. Okay, so we will go to Florida, but first we're going to be up north around Grand Rapids, Sturgis, Michigan. The Florida of Michigan. I thought Sturgis was like in the Dakotas. Well, there's multiple, like, cities all have the same names, right? There's a Springfield in every state. There's a Sturgis in every state. Well, anyway, we're in Michigan. <laughs> we're 90 miles south of Grand Rapids. Is there a big Amish population in Michigan? Yeah, just like there is in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Is there really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Michigan? Yeah. Is there? <laughs> I didn't appreciate that. Okay, well, this woman stole a horse and buggy from some Amish folk Why? from the Walmart parking lot, which also the Amish shop at Walmart. We got to start with that. What are they buying at Walmart? I don't know. I don't admittedly know much about the Amish. Maybe they were reenacting the Griswold family vacation. Or they were on Rumspringer. To Walmart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's Michigan. Where else are they going to go? Detroit? Well, who knows? But the problem is though, for whatever her purposes was, legally, it was better to have stolen a car to have received a misdemeanor instead of by some horse laws and getting a felony. <laughs> 
How is Grand Theft Auto a misdemeanor? It doesn't endanger a horse. Well, how much horsepower was in the car? There was one horsepower in the buggy. The distinction to your question is, if she was just doing this to go joyride, it would have been a misdemeanor on the auto thing. If she was stealing it to steal it permanently, then I think it becomes a felony. But there is no question, I think, when it's a horse and buggy, whether it was a joyride or not, I think it's a felony. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's felony. It's the livestock aspect of this it's a horse of course this is insane well and then what do you do with it are you prepared to take care of a horse she's like i'm going to rescue you you're going to be my friend i am going to give you carrots it could have been an act of saving the horse or something like that i mean i I mean wilder things go through people's heads but i would be like okay cool there's a horse over there whatever what a time to be alive where we get to talk on this show about a tool bag sitting in a cyber truck playing with his hands with his vr and a woman stealing a horse and buggy in the same show in the same country in 2024 how does stuff like this still happen and what possesses people to be like you know what i'm gonna steal that horse and buggy we could put this on ripley's believe it or not you know again two lies and a truth right or whatever it is here we are did she get caught Uh, I mean... Did they catch her? Did the police have their own horse and buggy chase? (laughs) This is the slowest getaway in the history of the world. It ended up looking like the LA in the 90s. It was a low-speed chase multiple cop cars they're boxing her in the whole thing cherries and berries man did she ditch the wagon and just hop on the horse to go faster what is this west world what are you talking about yes it was dolores <laughs> so yes they found the horse and buggy abandoned and then they found her nearby at a motel covered in horse poop <laughs> yeah she, she was at a motel she had to get somewhere the only option was the horse did she hitch the horse to a post when she went to the inn. I mean, if you're going to steal something from a Walmart parking lot... Honestly, that's probably the best thing to steal from a Walmart. There's probably not much else there you're going to want to steal. A couple Impalas, some F-150s from the 80s. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Simple solutions for simple problems. In this case, why steal a horse and buggy? Get a bicycle. It's going to be faster. Like, I don't get it. I just don't. So what's next? What else is for Florida, man? Well, that was Michigan. Now we'll go to Florida. Oh, boy. Was there a Rolex, man? That's what we really need to dive into. And can you imagine if the Super Bowl had been in Florida? Good night. We'd have stories for the next 20 years. No Rolex, man. Okay. Well, what happened in Florida? Then? Well, I'll start with the worst of the two. And worse being like, this is just absurd. So this Florida man carjacks someone. That's still a thing? Yes, but who does he carjack? He carjacks his grandmother. <laughs> you know, he knows it's his grandmother. Carjack, of course, gets arrested and then writes her a four page apology letter. Mima, I'm sorry. Mima, please don't put me in jail. Please don't press the charges on me, Mima. Can I have some meatloaf? Unreal. How about you not carjack your grandmother? <laughs> you just asked your grandmother to borrow the car. What did he do? Carjack her at the end of the driveway? Get out. You need to go to Walmart. I need to meet somebody at a motel after they horse and buggy. But let's flip this around. Imagine you're the carjacker and it's like old school 90s carjacking. So you just run up at the intersection and grab the person out of the car like they were doing in LA and stuff, right? Can you imagine running up and you're going, man, this car looks familiar. Familiar. And then you grab your grandmother out of the driver's seat, leave her in the middle of the road? Like, seriously? <laughs> Granny, I'll see you later. He had her come outside to unlock her car under the pretense of getting something out of the trunk. And then he, like, grabbed the keys out of her hand. 
and like sadly pushed her to the ground and then like stole the car. Okay, wait, is that really carjacking? I mean, loosely, but nonetheless, you couldn't have just been like, hey, I need to borrow the keys to get something out of the car and then steal the car. Drugs are a powerful thing. Well, speaking of drugs, this next person in Florida allegedly stole an Amazon van and then went on a 20 mile joyride. <laughs> the best part is the sheriff's office having a great comedic sense on social media. Quote, is your package late? Oh. Wow. 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 So not only is this guy charged with grand theft, meth trafficking, possession of weed, (laughs) which is that a problem in Florida anymore? I don't know. But yeah, he was lost in the neighborhood and so thought that taking the van would help him get out of the neighborhood he was lost in. What? Kids don't do drugs. Unbelievable. Is your Amazon package running late? Definitely. This last one is in Texas. Oh boy. And it's not necessarily, eh, I mean, take it for what it is. A 9,000 pound Hummer EV. Sink so deep in Texas mud, a tow truck has to come pry it out. And this was like the Hummer with the super awesome off-roading package, whatever it's called that they have. Does it have the same all-terrain tires the Cybertruck comes with? It must. But it had the GMC Extreme Off-Road Package with 35-inch mud terrain tires and extract mode. Except it had to get extracted by something else. (laughs) I'm surprised a regular tow truck was able to extract it. They used the one they pull semis with. Yeah, exactly. Probably. That's what you need, yeah. 9,000 pounds for sure. And then 9,000 pounds plus the suction force. Of the mud. Which pretty much doubles or triples the weight of the vehicle. And for those that don't understand what we're talking about, have you ever stepped in mud and lost your shoe? Because that's exactly (laughs) what we're talking about here. In fairness, I think like anything would have probably gotten stuck in this like mud pit that he parked his car at his parents' house or something to go charge it for some reason in this grassy, it was already swampy and wet from the rain and then parks it there and then it like slowly sank and then he tried to like get it out the act of getting it out made it dig in and sink even further and then it just it got beached there so they pulled it out with the f-350 dually they pulled it out with a cyber truck no oh, <laughs> all i can think of is the scene with marissa tomei on the stand and my cousin Vinny. everybody knows when you get stuck in the mud in alabama one wheel turns the other one does nothing <laughs> Oh, I love me some Florida, man. What can I say? Well, what I can say is it's time to go behind the pit wall and talk about motorsports news. And this month, the month of February, not only do we have the Super Bowl and the 24 Hours of Rolex, we also had the Daytona 500. So we dedicated the month of February to NASCAR and its derivatives. So we kicked it off with origin stories about Bill France, the evolution of NASCAR, all the way into a discussion about NASCAR in space. And we had special guest Steve Post, who's been the voice of NASCAR on MRN, that's the Motor Racing News Network, for over 20 years on the show. We caught up with him. We did a two-parter with Steve. And there's a lot of other great content on BreakFix that you can go back and check out. But did you also hear that they're going to start campaigning EVs in NASCAR this year? What do they do? Like three laps and then... I'm trying to figure that out because I wasn't sure how you put a four-speed and four-barrel carb on an EV. You know how the rules are in NASCAR sometimes. I mean, they did it with the Formula E, I guess. Why not? All jokes aside, with the new sprint race format, which Formula One has started to sort of adopt as well over the last couple of years, I can see them building an EV that lasts long enough to run those shorter races 
races. And to your point, they probably have to change cars, especially a longer race. But I think we're going to start to see more EVs campaigned in NASCAR. So between the seventh generation, Garage 56 type Camaro, all that kind of stuff, there's lots of technology advancements happening in NASCAR. So if you're not a fan today, I would say start paying attention because there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. I mean, running in Formula E, braking and you're not flat out for 500 laps is very different than running around an oval it flat out for an extended period of time i don't see how that but i'll wait and see but what does it sound like <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it right we got to switch to formula one because there is so much drama going on right now danny rick danny rick what can we say so he's with our B now? Visa, paycheck. Cash app, blue thing. Is that an Indy car? It's not a formula car, right? What? It looks like an Indy car, the way they decorated it. Delivery. Because all the other formula cars look all the same every year. I can never tell. The Aston looks like an Aston. The Ferrari is still red. The Mercedes is silver. I don't know. They always look the same. Everybody makes such a big deal. The steak doesn't look the same. Is it still steak? I thought they were. They couldn't be steak. They can't use that name. Why can't they use steak? I don't know, but I thought I saw Are this. they vegetarians? They're vegans, aren't they? But it's not. The Vampire Coalition should be involved. It's not like a steak like you eat. It's like a steak steak in the ground. I know. It's the Lumber Coalition. The Lumber Coalition's involved. Isn't it a betting thing? Like a sports book? It is. Exactly. I don't know if they've officially changed from steak, but I thought I saw something that said that they can't use that. All kinds of cool stuff about Christian Horner, though. Christian Horney. We will get into that for sure. What in the heck is going on in Formula One in 2024? And not just new liveries like the Visa Cash App MoneyGram Chipotle special. There's nothing going on. Formula One has been so boring this offseason. All the drivers are staying put. The team principals have their jobs for next year. There's been zero controversy. I mean, I've literally slept through the entire F1 offseason. What about you, Tanya? What did I miss? You're absolutely right. I haven't heard any news. It's been pretty quiet. Obviously, they started preseason testing this weekend. So other than that, I mean, it's business as usual. Andretti got his team, right? Is that what I heard? Andretti got his team. Porsche and Audi are both coming. Christian Horner is a stand-up citizen. Susie and Toto Wolf were not investigated and then uninvestigated. Gunther Steiner is still at Haas. So this is like 16 lies and a truth. Even I'm paying attention to this, and I don't generally pay attention to Formula One that much anymore. Yeah. What else did not happen? Lewis Hamilton is going to sign with Mercedes for the rest of his life. Even after his career, he's going to sign on for an ownership deal, and he's going to wear the three-pointed star on his tombstone if this was the april fool special i'd say you all are correct everything that has been said is the exact opposite so where do we start with this so has christian horner been like what's happened with that like he's accused of some inappropriate conduct towards a female employee what it means is he updated his linkedin and it now says open to work (laughs) down to clowns what it says I think that's what got him in trouble to begin with, maybe, allegedly, possibly. Poor Ginger Spice. Poor Jerry Hollowell. Yeah, that blows my mind, man. He seems like such a nice, nice lady. But I knew Christian Horner was a tool bag. You said that many times before. Well, because I've, I've got a man crush on Toto, that's why. Okay. <laughs> Is that second to your Daniel Ricardo man crush as well? Toto's a man. Daniel's just a boy, but Toto's a man. Oh, okay. I have a boy crush on Daniel. 
real talk. Does real this talk. open the door to allow Gunther Steiner to come back? Does he get Christian Horner's job? That guy is... No. Steiner never should have had the job at Haas. He like bullshitted his way to get that job. As much as I love him, this is not for you, my friend. <laughs> Find a new day job. Can you imagine how all this is going to play out in Drive to Survive? You need Gunther in there. Well, he'll be in one more season and that's it. Yep. <laughs> So Andretti's out. They rumored a possibility of Formula One racing in Chicago. We're not sure if that's the same street course they use for NASCAR and IndyCar, things like that. That's kind of interesting. That would put us up to what, like four locations in the United States for Formula One Grand Prix? That's huge. I mean, why we can't go back to Watkins Glen is beyond me. But hey, you know, that was the old Formula One Grand Prix of the U.S., back in the day could you imagine these cars at Watkins Glen though I can and I want to dream and I want to hope yeah they talked about it but who knows it's not on the schedule this year so it's not happening yeah but in the future we could be adding another track to the schedule can you imagine four races in the U.S. for Formula One that'd be pretty good four races that are still too expensive for me to go oh, to. 100% so Christian Horner's on the outs Gunther's looking for a job still he's on the unemployment line Andretti's out like out out like I think hopefully that's either fine finally dead or i don't know what they're gonna do there maybe he'll just buy haas i don't think it's finally dead i think they're still he's still trying and i agree gene haas has not been happy with his team's performance in f1 since i've been watching they're touted as the all-american f1 team right so it's like why doesn't andretti just partner with haas is there some other blockage going on there or just gene he's just trying to be a dictator i don't get it maybe he's just trying to be something with the word dick in it (laughs) he's just trying to be a yeah i don't know and then, yeah, let's we'll see. Leclerc and Norris lock their contracts. Who's Leclerc going to be driving for? Ferrari? Yeah. yeah. So alongside of Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. Next year. So here's the question. Which one's going to be the primary driver? Which one's going to be number one? Yeah, because he is the primary Ferrari driver. How do you let him be the primary Ferrari driver when seven-time champion, whatever he is, Lewis Hamilton is on the team? Is it seven or eight? It's not eight. It's seven. Eh? But I thought everybody said he had more championships than Schumacher and Schumacher had seven no. i think he tied schumacher i heard it was eight time champion maybe i'm wrong about that no he's got seven titles but i think he's got more total wins than schumacher okay he definitely has more total wins like podium first place podiums which doesn't mean anything the championships matter more they're tied point being i thought hamilton was not no way not know how i'm never going to ferrari because he never wanted to be considered like schumacher it said that it's been his childhood dream to drive for ferrari so which is it i don't know i've never heard him say that he didn't want to be associated with schumacher but he could have gone to ferrari ages ago that doesn't make any sense no why would he have left the cash cow mercedes that was winning championship after championship yeah it wasn't until two years ago that mercedes fell off a little bit and not to ferrari (laughs) where's ferrari been i can't remember the last time ferrari was like legitimately competing. Vettel? Yeah, it was Vettel. I think Vettel and Kimmy. I heard something about Ford engines on Red Bull. I heard Ford might be making a comeback to Formula One after all these years. Yeah, not this year though. No, no. But a lot of these changes, like even Hamilton going to Ferrari doesn't happen until next year, right? Correct. So let's just say by the grace of whatever powerful being, he wins a championship with Mercedes this year, which is probably a stretch of the imagination to say that. 
not gonna happen. Let's say he gets his eighth. Is there even a point of going to Ferrari? Sure, why not? Money. I guess. Just say you drove for Ferrari. Yeah, but why would Ferrari want a backmarker? Because he's like middle of the pack now. Wait, right? you just said if he won a championship, why would he go to Ferrari? If he, of course, he, Ferrari will want him if he wins another championship. No, my point is, you get your eighth. You have all the records. You got the most wins and the most championships. Wouldn't you just hang it up and be like, I'm done. I'm good. Would you? No, you go drive for Ferrari because what the hell do you have to else to lose? Yeah, you look good and red. Yeah, but then you go to Ferrari and you don't have to really participate. You can just kind of show up, kind of like Schumacher did when he came back after he left Ferrari. He was kind of like, yeah, whatever, I'm here, I'm in the car. I don't really have to drive that hard. I don't know that I believe that. I think if you're a competitor, you're a competitor. Long shot, if he wins again this year, he will try to win with Ferrari as well. Unless they make a strategic decision as a team that Leclerc is the future and Leclerc is the number one and Lewis is in a more support role, given his age and like where he's at in his career his stage it ends up just like it was in the 80s with Gerhard Berger and Jean Alesi and playing that stupid game you had Berger kind of there just like you know whatever just to have a second person with a name in the car he's not a backmarker because if the car is competitive then Leclerc should be in first position and Hamilton becomes Botas he's there to take second and block this is about the team and the constructors championship at this point and trying to get points for that versus the driver's championship. That's not what Formula One is supposed to be about, though. And to me, this is why I can't watch it anymore. It takes away from the spirit of the sport. It's all this politics. There's always been driver's orders. That's nothing new in Formula One. There is a cutoff point. Like in the Prost days with Senna, like that didn't really exist. They drove as hard as they possibly could and damn near killed each other every time they went because out. Because they said, I'm not listening to the orders. <laughs> yeah, and did every team have two drivers? Yeah, it's always been that way. Oh, right. Forever. Yeah, was always been there. there was a point that it changed. And I remember the team orders being a big deal when it was Schumacher and Barrichello. Because up until that point with like Eddie Irvine and all that stuff running for Ferrari, it wasn't like, eh, like whatever. But when it was Schumacher and Barrichello, then it became a whole deal where there were a couple times where like Rubens was going to win the race. And they're like, you need to let Michael come by. He's got to take the lead, even though you're like way ahead, you know? And so team orders started to become a thing there in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it's just like... Yeah. Yeah, so it's been like 30 years. It's nothing new that there's team orders in the Formula One. It's not like five years ago they started doing team no, orders. No, but even then, it wasn't as prevalent as it is now, where it's like literally we're all tuning into the driver broadcast and you're hearing them just tell the drivers like what to do and they're just kind of doing it. And it's like, they're not racing anymore. They got their spotters telling them exactly what to do. To me, I feel like it takes away from the sport. Could be wrong. You don't even watch. <laughs> I feel like what you just described is in every racing program i'm sure in emsa with the multiple teams there's team orders now every once in a while the team orders will be let them race case in point with team corvette it's that legendary daytona race the final laps where they were battling it out with each other botas and hamilton did that a few times when they were teammates well there's also the team orders of y'all are one and two stop fucking around and crash and not be one and two at all and be dnf right yeah like, yeah, yeah the team orders that these cars are expensive let's not be jackasses kind of thing yeah. but it's in every it's not just formula one i guarantee you any team motorsport there's team orders guarantee it i think they're just different the way they're executed like i think the IMSA team orders are like, hey, you're going to be out for this amount of time or to do this. It, like, it's different in endurance racing than it is in Formula One, right? Well, endurance racing, you have time to be like, well, in 45 minutes, you're going to let the guy, whatever, like... <laughs> 
Here it's like in four seconds, he's up your ass. Just give him the pass. Well, maybe I'll start tuning in because I found out the other day that you can somehow access Formula One through ESPN Plus, but I got to no, research No, you can't. You cannot access it. Then it's false advertising. That came from Hulu. What did it say? Free with your <laughs> Disney Plus access? Well, why did they show Formula One there with all the other stuff? Because they want you to buy. Yes, they want you to realize that suddenly you have to buy the ESPN subscription. Right, because man. ESPN Plus is just the app to ESPN. It's like the most convoluted thing. Like you still have to pay for ESPN and then you pay for the app to watch the shit from ESPN. And if you want to watch it on Hulu, you have to pay $75 a month for Hulu Live. When you can pay that for a year subscription of F1 TV and F1 TV gives you so much more if you're really interested in Formula One because you choose the drivers and you can go into their like live feeds and like be on board with them and do all that and stuff. And listen to their get, team orders. You get access to like everything which anywhere else you're just going to literally see whatever the broadcast is, right? So if yeah. you're a true fan, like the F1 TV makes sense. If you already have ESPN, then awesome. You get to watch Formula One. But I already went through this. Like, oh, well, I've got Disney Plus with the ESPN Plus and everyone's telling me, oh, you just did thing. And then found out these people that were like, oh yeah. Oh, but I have ESPN. Oh, so that's why you watch it. Uh... You're paying for ESPN. You can try in like two weeks when the first race is there. I tried and it doesn't exist. It's not there. You have to buy the other subscription. That's okay. I'll be on HBO Max watching the WEC races anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> There's plenty of rally to catch up on too. But that being said, you know, we mentioned that earlier. It's interesting to see more of these streaming services picking up different forms of motorsport instead of having to go to just one place. But I agree with you. F1 TV, IMSA TV, WRC Plus. There's some great services out there if you want to get all those extras and all that other access. Speaking about access, press release went out recently from the ACO USA. And I'm going to do a humble brag here, but yours truly is going to be the next Master of Ceremonies or host of their evening with a legend series Woo! yeah i get to sit down and interview legends of lama folks like doc bundy rick new and others i can't spoil right now i want you guys to tune into that if you're interested in becoming a member of the aco usa uh, membership dues are actually not that bad you've probably wasted more money on lesser things but it does also give you access to wec discounts at the Le Mans store. They have their travel service. If you want to go to Le Mans, there's discount on tickets, things like that. There's lots of other benefits that you can get from the ACO USA, but you'll also be able to tune into those Evening with a Legend episodes on Break Fix later in the year. So if you want that early access, become a member, get into the Zoom sessions live, get your questions answered by these legends of Le Mans. Otherwise, you can tune into it later in the year on Break Fix. So I want to remind everybody that our motorsports news is brought to us in partnership with the International Motor Racing Research Center in Watkins Glen. Their sweepstakes for the 2024 Corvette E-Ray is still underway and it's going on through April this year. So if you haven't bought your tickets yet, you still have a chance to enter to win a 2024 Corvette E-Ray. It is a 3LZ package, convertible, silver with blue stripes, gorgeous car. I have heard that it is on the assembly line, so it is a real thing. It's going to be here soon and they are taking a delivery of it. So it'll be just in time for some lucky winner to take it home in April. Well, now it's time that we wrap up this drive-through news episode. Brad, take us home. As a reminder, you can find tons of upcoming local shows and events at the ultimate reference for car enthusiasts, collectorcarguide.net. 
And as part of our hpdejunkie.com trackside report, Hooked on Driving Northeast is leading the charge with their first event of the year at Virginia International Raceway, better known to many of us as VIR, on March the 7th and 8th. Also, we want to make note that HOD Corporate, based out of California, has also recently changed their management, and we wanted to wish outgoing owner and friend of the show, David Ray, a happy retirement. If you're still planning your track season, look no further than hbdjunkie.com for an up-to-date list of events from all across North America on their website. You can filter by location and find the perfect HBD event for you. And be sure to keep an eye on our motorsports calendar on gtmotorsports.org forward slash events to learn about other special events happening in various different disciplines of motorsport all across the country. We just crested 310 episodes of Break Fix while you've been listening to this episode. But more importantly, we've expanded our catalog as part of our new motoring podcast network where you can enjoy programs like the ferrari marketplace the motoring historian the history of motorsport series break fix and others search for break slash fix or grand g-r-a-n touring everywhere you download stream or listen and be sure to check out www.motoringpodcast.net for reviews of the shows new episodes bios of our on-air personalities and descriptions of the services we offer if you'd like to become a BreakFix VIP, jump over to www.patreon.com slash gtmotorsports and learn about our different tiers. Join our Discord or become a member of the GTM Clubhouse by signing up at club.gtmotorsports.org. Drop us a line on social media or visit our Facebook group and leave us a comment. Tell us what you like, dislike, and send us ideas for future shows. And remember, for everything we talked about on this episode and more, be sure to check out the follow-on article and show notes available at gtmotorsports.org. And a big shout out and thank you to our executive producer, Tanya, for yet again another fantastic drive-through show and a fantastic season with drive-through episodes and to all of our fans friends and family who support gtm without you none of this would be possible outro that's the season four outro in quattro oh it's quattro hey i was gonna say what's that thing that jim carrey used to do I don't remember that. I just remember. Let me tell you something. You look like Christian Horner when you do that. Well, I got to do it via text. I'll send you a pic of it. Where'd Tanya go? Uh, the bathroom. Oh, there she is. <laughs> She's on a hike. She's on a hike in the Grand Canyon somewhere. Oh, got it. Got it. Oh, my God. What do the kids call it with it? The dab? Gosh. The most boomer thing I've ever said, I think. <laughs> what is that thing that kids say these days? <laughs> oh, true. And we're out. drive-through line me and her cars in front of us cars in back of us all just waiting to order there's some idiot in a volvo with his bright sign behind me i lean out the window and scream hey what you trying to do blind me my wife says maybe we should park We hope you enjoyed another awesome episode of break fix podcast brought to you by grand tory motorsports if you'd like to be a guest on the show or get involved, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Grand Touring Motorsports. And if you'd like to learn more about the content of this episode, be sure to check out the follow-on article at gtmotorsports.org. We remain a commercial-free and no annual fees organization through our sponsors, but also through the generous support of our fans, families, and friends through Patreon. 
For as little as $2.50 a month, you can get access to more behind-the-scenes action, additional pit stop minisodes, and other VIP goodies, as well as keeping our team of creators fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, Gumby Bears, and Monster. So consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without you, none of this would be possible.